Storms come and go in all of our lives. I wonder how you weather yours. Thinking of storms, we, <clears throat> we know that the storms come, and those are instruments that God uses. He uses those to perfect our lives. I think the storms come because He uses the storms to cause us to, to focus and to realize that He's there. He is there all the time. And that is good. That is good. Again, for those that are tuning in with us on the internet, uh, those that enjoy and uh, uh, look for the chat section, there are two ways that you can get on the, the new chat service. This is a kind of a new thing. And the first way is just to log in as a guest. And uh, people won't know necessarily who you are unless you uh, state your name at the beginning when you, when you come in. But then uh, you can log in. And if you log in, uh, this will be kind of a permanent thing that whenever you log in, then your name, however you want to be known, uh, will appear on your aspect of the chat. And uh, you'll have to create an account. You create that with a, uh, with a name and then also with, uh, with a password. And uh, then uh, whenever you log in after that, then uh, that information will automatically show up uh, on the chat. And uh, I know that uh, when I'm not able to be here and when I usually... Uh, register in, I usually just come in as a guest, and then I'll declare my name along the way. I like easy, I like simple, and uh, that's the easiest for me, at least at this point in time, and uh, I, I, I don't particularly like remembering passwords all the time, and uh, if you need to, and if you have different passwords, and you have to create uh, maybe create a log and uh, write them down in a book, and they say, don't do ever do that. Well, if you don't do that, and uh, you're an active uh, person on the Internet, and uh, you pass away, uh, then nobody can get into your business. You may not want anybody into your business, but uh, if there are some things that you, others are going to need to get into, uh, you better have something set up and recorded, uh, you, you know, as a, back up. I know we have uh, the, the gift of eternal life, but um, once you leave this world, then others got to pick up the pieces that you leave behind and do something with them. Uh, so anyway, just uh, those words. Good to see you here today. Uh, let's see, I think you, you know that Alan is back in the hospital and uh, getting some more checks and that, keeping an eye on that fella. And so keep him in your prayers. And I'll tell you that, to me, I'm constantly reminded, and I believe it's by God, concerning the matter of prayer and how important that is. Probably one of the most neglected aspects within our Christian life. But I have found that I, I concentrate on uh, trying to maintain an attitude where I can talk with the Lord at just about any time during the day, and I can talk about things that come to mind and come to heart about people 
uh, when they need prayer. And that is part of our the blessedness of being a Christian, that we have this instant access to God. And I still have a hard time. I haven't gotten over that. And that's something I rejoice in, that we have instant access with God at any time and for anybody. So I hope that we learn, and we have to learn, we have to learn to discipline ourselves to take advantage of these things that God has, has set into place for us. Because God wants to be active in all of our lives. On an individual basis as well as a corporate basis. And with those thoughts in mind, I, I want to go back into the Old Testament and I go back to Genesis chapter 17. We're going to start in 17 and look at 17 and 18. And here's an account of God and his activity in the life of a man and a wife, Abraham and Sarah. Now, I don't know if you'll ever entertain the Lord quite like Abraham did, but <clears throat> I think it was an actual account of God fellowshipping with Abraham. And when I <clears throat> look over this portion of Scripture, I try to uh, look at it from the aspect of what is going on there that God wants me aware of. That, that, that will... That God wants to show me. Uh, we get so used to being told what the Scripture says. And uh, we do all sorts of gymnastics, if you please, with it. You know, we, we study it in various forms. We, we read books about it. And we get so engrossed in, and sometimes in the academic aspects of the Word, we forget about the God of the Word. And, I, I'm try, and I've been there. And the reason why, that's why I share it. Because I've been there and, and I've fallen into that trap. And uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to study the Word. And to glean truth in this. But I try to perceive it now. I try to look at it now through the eyes of God. What is it that God wants me to see? And understand what he's really about and how he operates within the world, but also within my life personally. Last time I spoke was January the first, and and that that was uh, that, that was about a new focus. What should we be focused on for this year? A matter of fact, what should we focus on for the rest of our life? And the, and, and the things concerning God. And uh, the, the prime person of our focus needs to be none other, and you know that, as the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. 
And so we need to learn to have a right focus. But then again, we need to perceive, we need to understand what is it that God is interested in in our life. And I think we get a pretty clear picture of that uh, in this portion of Scripture. And actually, you can go to a variety of portions of Scripture and, and you can see the same truth being uh, exemplified. But here in chapter 17 of the book of Genesis, notice in verse 1, it says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine. Notice the next words. The Lord appeared to Abram. He appeared to Abram. Now, I don't know if God would ever appear to you or to me in such a real fashion, but He appeared to Abram. What does that tell me? What does that mean to you? Does that give you any insights into the activity of God? God, I, I find, God gets together with His people for the purpose of fellowship. There's fellowship. God got together with Adam and Eve in the garden. He'd come down and he'd talk with them, he'd commune with them. How long that relationship transpired before sin entered into the picture, we don't really know. But God was there and he created Adam and then he formed Eve and then he communed with them. He had a relationship with them. And, and, and God is interested in that type of relationship with you and with me. I'll tell you, in, in the past, I have found that I've been so busy doing things, quote-unquote, for the Lord, serving the Lord in busyness, but not having time to fellowship with Him. Not taking that time. But... but God, the Lord, appeared to Abraham and unto him and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I've, I believe that that is just as true on the heart of God that he desires for you and for me as he did for Abraham. What should we do? Is your focus of your life, is, is it enough on God that that would cause you to want to walk in such a way, a way that would please God? And then we go to verse 2 and he says, I will make my covenant between me and thee. I will. And will multiply thee exceedingly. Now, that word exceedingly, I, I wanted to check up on that. And, and, and I wanted to see, you know, if, if there's something else I could find in there that, 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 that might give me a little bit more insight into, into what that exceedingly means. And, you know, this Hebrew word appears twice right here. 
It's not just once. Our English translation only gives us once. Gives us the translation once. But it's, it's twice in the Hebrew. He said, virtually, I will multiply thee exceedingly, exceedingly. He, he put emphasis upon this. And you know what? What, what? Another thing that's really interesting, I find, about that, just that simple word exceedingly, it's also, he says the same thing again to somebody else. You know who he says that to? He says that to Isaac. It, you see, it passed down from Abraham to Isaac. What God promised to Abraham and that he was going to do, he was going to covenant with Abraham, with Abram at the time. And this is the occasion when his name is changed to Abraham. No wonder that God's going to change our name one day. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. We're in for a name change. And it's between us and God. And no telling what our new name is going to be and what it'll represent, what it'll speak of, what it'll say to others. But there's a name change coming. But anyway, he says he's going to multiply him. Exceedingly, exceedingly. It's going to be passed down his lineage and his line. I think the, the general attitude today for those having children is it, today they don't seem that people don't seem to to place not everybody at least a lot of people don't seem to place much value upon the lineage that they have started and that they're a part of when i was younger and and i lived with my parents and we we lived up in wisconsin it, it was a regular thing that that we'd have family reunions we'd get the families together some of you probably experienced those some may still have them but we get together with our, our, our kinfolk. And it was a special time. Now, unfortunately, we didn't have the opportunity to, to be around them a lot through the course of a year. But we would gather together to see the kids as the kids grew up. And then to see the parents as the parents grew old. But it was a time that we would get together for fellowship, for fun, and just to exchange war stories. But it seems like that, for a lot of people, is lost. You see, it was about family. And here, Abraham is going to have a family, and what's going on in his family, what God is blessing him, starting off with, with Abraham here, he's going to pass the blessing on down the line. I like to think that, that the, some of the things that God has blessed me with, that I can share them with my children, and, and that, that same blessing that God has placed upon me, He'll pass it down through my family. I trust my kids will be blessed because of me. And Abraham fell on his face. <clears throat> and here's a good verse portion of a verse, 
And God talked with him. God communicated with him. And that clearly tells me that God is a God of communication. He enjoys communicating with his people. I trust we see that the God, the creator of the universe, is so interested in people like you and me. And it makes no difference what age. You see, this is for the old as well, for the middle age, as well as for the young. God, God communicated with David when he was but a shepherd boy out in the field. And he learned from God. And, and that's where he got connected with God as a young man. Mary. She was connected with God as a young girl. You see, it, it's not a matter of age. It, it's a matter of God desiring to communicate with his people. And my admonition, and I believe God is saying to us, don't miss out on this opportunity in life and communicate with Him. Develop a pattern of communicating with God. This is personal. This was just between Abraham and God. And God talked with Him. And God desires to communicate with, with, with us as well. says in verse 4, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations. Have I made thee? Well, I think we're coming down to the course of the, the end of the, the church age, this dispensation of the church. <clears throat> we know things, time is going to be limited. I often tell people, I know, I know some things, pretty certain, at least based upon the Word of God. I believe every day that I give up, there's going to be at least 1,007 more years left on this planet, for this planet. We got the millennial kingdom that's coming up yet, and that's gonna that's gonna take place on this planet. We have seven years of tribulation that'll be coming, that, that'll take place here on this planet. And whatever time is is gonna be there, more than that, who knows? God knows. So we, we know that God has at least one thousand and seven more years every day we get up that remaineth for this planet. So there's some things that the people that, don't, that, that, that have no cognizance of God and what God is doing and what God is about, it, it, they get all frustrated and fearful. We don't have to be so. You see, when we discipline ourselves to think along the lines of God. So there's value to understanding and knowing portions of Scripture. But God desires to communicate and a fellowship with His people. Verse 6, He says, I will make thee 
exceeding fruitful. Now, here again, it's not exceeding fruitful. It's exceeding, exceeding, exceedingly, exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. I don't know if we'll receive that kind of a progeny behind us. You know, you, or, you know what, what, what would come, but who knows what the future is going to hold. But, but, but for Abraham, here's what happened. And God says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed and thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be a God unto them. And to thy seed after thee. Wow. That's hard to comprehend. I find that hard to think about. It blesses my thought life when I do think about it. To think that God has, has such a vision for the future. And I believe He has a vision for the future for you and for me. And by being in His Word, we can read about it and we can be encouraged by it. Verse 9, God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant. Therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Then he talks about circumcision. In verses, uh, the rest of verse 10 and verse 11, tells when, eight days. We could go and look at that and study that out and, and, and observe some more wonders of, uh, of how God is operating. Then in verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell on his face. And laughed. Now, now, this wasn't a laugh by Abraham. There's a contrast. If you study the laugh by Abraham with the laugh of Sarah later on in chapter 18, you'll find that they're different. This was a laugh of astonishment that Abraham had. It wasn't a funny thing in that sense of the word. It was an astonishment that God would do, do such a thing. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah in ninety years old bear? Of course, you know the story. No, they shouldn't bear. But, but think, back in chapter 12 of Genesis... God speaks to Abraham to get it, pack his bags and get out of his country and go to a country that he had shown him, but he only went as far as Haran. And then he camped out there until his father Terah died. And here, Abraham's 99, now chapter 17. 25 years have passed between 
chapters 5 and uh, between chapters 12 and 17, five chapters have transpired in, in history, 25 years, roughly, 24 if you want to be exact. But you see, it takes time. And God takes His time in maturing His people. It took time for God to develop a relationship and a fellowship with Abraham to get him to this point where Abraham, he could finally say to Abraham, you're going to be a hundred years old or better. And I'm going to give you a son. Only God could pull that one off. Of course, modern science today and the doctors, you know, they, they, they try and wiggle around that. And they, they'd, this, well, you know, plant seed and freeze it and, and ovaries and, and, and eggs. And, and, you know, then after time, then we'll bring it. God wasn't doing no freezing job here. He's just stepping in to creation and doing what he can do, which is anything he well pleases. And, you know, he can do that for you and for me. Now, I'm not talking about having children at an old age. <laughs> he could if he wanted to. I have no doubt of that. But God can do the impossible things that need to be done in your life and my life. And that's why I believe that God works us to a point, to a place in our lives where we're in impossible situations. And it's for the purpose that, that God can show himself real to you and to me. Now it's one thing when you see God doing something for me or I see God doing something for you, that, that, that's beyond my comprehension. But it's always another thing when it's happening to me personally. But, but this is what God is. This is what God is about. He's a personal God. He said, I'm going to be the Lord Almighty to you. Is He that to you today? Have you developed such a relationship, such a trust, that you can totally surrender yourself to Him as the Lord Jesus did? Not my will, but Thy will be done. That's where God wants us. That's what He's trying to develop in our lives so that we finally come to the point where we see that the impossible things that God says He's going to do for us, He can do because He is God. And we don't need to fear. We need to trust. We need to learn to have faith in Him. Let Him work out His plan in your life. And I'll tell you through experience, it's not always pleasant and it's not always easy. But He is at work. So Sarah's, Sarai, name is changed. You see, the name change is irrespective of whatever sex you are. 
God changes names <laughs> as He sees fit and as He wills. Now, I want, to, I want to get to chapter 18 for a little bit, and we can camp out there for a little while too today. And Notice in verse 1, chapter 18, verse 1, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in, his, uh, in the tent in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground. You know, I want to say thank you to Mark Summers once again for that little bit of insight. I don't know how many weeks passed, but why did he run to, why did Abraham run to meet him? Because he recognized him. He recognized him from Encounters past. And that, <clears throat> that rang my bell, just that thought. Because God was active in the affairs of mankind. It's not that He just spoke to them in their minds. and that I believe He actually appeared to them. And this is the pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, and the, uh, the, <clears throat> there three, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, <clears throat> he ran to meet them uh, uh, from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. What did... We're not going to take time to, to read the whole passage, even though, to me, it's an exciting passage to read. What, what did he do? Hey, he said, hey, let's, let's prepare a meal. Matter of fact, first thing he said, bring some water that they may wash their feet. Did you catch that? Verse 4, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet. Now, I know it's, in Jesus' day, it was customary for the people to wash the feet of their guests. A lot of times, I think it was also customary for people to come into a place and expect the bowl to be there where they could wash their feet so they wouldn't get the house dirty. Why would God leave the portals of heaven and come down to earth and then go by Abraham and wash his own feet. Whoa, what a thought. The thought is that, that comes across my mind and my heart is that God is so interested in fellowshipping with his people. That wasn't a big thing. It was something God was willing to do. Because I believe fellowship with Abraham was a valuable thing. Our fellowship with God is not just valuable for us. I believe it's valuable for Him. He takes pleasure in it. How much time 
throughout the course of the day do we have and do we take to spend just, just time with God? Put, put, the, put the hustle and bustle and all the, the stresses and the strains and, and, and the busyness of humanity, put it aside and just sit down and forget the clock and just take some time with God. You see, God did not only want to fellowship with him. God was there to communicate with him. And that's the same thing that's, that's true for us today. God's not just interested in our fellowship, but he's interested in our communication. The, the, the Bible is not just a book that contains prophecy or revelation. The Bible is a book that is revelation. That God is going to reveal truth about Himself. Not just the future, but, but he's, he's going to reveal truth about, about what Christ has done, the value of the cross. The value of the cross of the past. The value of the cross for present time. The value of the cross for the future. And when I look at portions of Scripture, I always try to keep that that, that, that same picture in mind. The past, the present, and the future. Because those three time references can be applied throughout Scripture. What did God do in the past that's relevant for today in the present? And, 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 that, and that is an example or, or that's even the, the, the foundation for the future. Wow. Salvation. It needs to be viewed in such a way. We have been saved. We are being saved. And we shall be saved. According to what the scriptures say. And that's nothing new. Some people say, oh, that's strange thinking for today. Well, it might be for today, but it wasn't strange thinking for theologians going back to the early 1900s and back into the 1800s. They talked about it then. Here we've been so busy blowing through and doing our, our rich, deep studies that, that we forget some of the old terminology. I think that really will set us better back into the straight and narrow. But God came down to communicate with Abraham. To fellowship with him, yes, and to communicate with him. Go over to verse 14. In verse 14, after God tells Abraham that that he's going to have a son, and Sarah overhears him, and she laughs, and that was a funny laugh. Not the same as Abraham's laugh. This was a different laugh. Verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old and I have... Uh, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? 
and that's phraseology of just saying that, you know, she was recognizing she was past her time of childbearing, and she didn't think Abraham was that young either. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child, uh, which am old? And verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard? No. No. It wasn't a matter of hardness. It's a matter of God just willing to do what He wants to do. And, and I reflect back in, in all that God has done in the past. You know, there is some advantage, I think, for being older to, get, to gaining age because now we got something to look past to. I got more past behind me than I have, in a sense, future in this body at least, in this present state, ahead of me. I remember when I was, I sort of remember, I guess, when I was a young teenager, I thought the other way, man, I got all these years. I'm surprised that God gave me these many years. And who knows? I, I'm, I'm looking for more. But you see, our perspective, our perspective on life, but there's nothing too hard for the Lord. And He can do what He wants to do when He wants to do it. The Lord said in verse 17, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? You remember this, this, this account, this story where, where God comes to Abraham with two other men who we know now they were angels. They were on a mission. Mission wasn't just Abraham. Mission was Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, should I hide this? Should I keep this a secret from Abraham, that which I'm about to do? That's what he's saying there. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Shall I hide some things from Abraham? Verse 19, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. There's some good encouragement, I think, to all that are parents. What should we do? How... Here's some simple guidelines. Here's the basic sketch. Command your children. His household. To keep the way of the Lord. It, young people, you need to learn that. Here is a valuable piece of insight for you 
to get a hold of now because if the Lord tarries and it just so happens that you get married and have children, that you need this. There's so many households today that don't understand what they're supposed to be doing with their children. Here's a very simple thing laid right out. Not hard. It doesn't take great dissertation. It doesn't take great hours of prolonged study to understand what that passage is saying. We need to learn to keep the way of the Lord. To do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. These are the benefits. There's the payday. And it's worth it. It's worth it. Parents with children, just keep at it. Just keep going. Just keep at it. Let that be a goal and objective for you. Young people, submit yourself under it because it's right in the eyes of God and God will bless you for it. He'll bless your parents for it and you'll be a blessed family. But God wasn't going to hide from Abraham what he planned to do. He's going to reveal to him. And you see, I believe God is looking for such people that, that take time to fellowship with Him, take time to communicate with Him, and those that show a heart for the things of God, not just the head thing, but a heart thing for the things of God, and places that value above anything and everything else, then He will give you revelation. He will reveal the correct understanding of passages and portions of Scripture in the Word as you go for it. There's some great things in the Word of God. I remember when I was in school. I was pretty much too busy studying and trying to get all my papers done and doing this and doing that and working and and, and laboring in a church. There was much busyness going on in those days. And I had very little time that I actually took advantage of to spend with the Lord. And I remember when, when I'd get, get bogged down with, with, with the pressures and the, and the stresses and the strains of, of school and of job and of, and of ministry. And I get depressed at heart and I'd... You know what God used? What God used to, to refresh my soul? The accordion. I'm glad I learned when I was young. I'd pick up my accordion and I'd play some songs and I'd sing. God refreshed my soul. And you see, you're going to get into such a position, such, such a case. And I don't know what God will use in your life to refresh your soul, but I do know this, His Word will. That's what David did. Remember when Saul got, got vexed and bent out of shape? What David did? David would sing unto him. The right music will do the right thing. 
the wrong music. Satan is bound to bring your way. To keep you from the things of God rather than gravitate you to the things of God. So when I look at this portion of Scripture, and I try to glean some simple things from it concerning God and myself, what what do I find there that, that I can benefit from? That matter of fellowship. I need to fellowship with God on a regular basis. And enjoy it. <laughs> you, you learn to enjoy it. And then to communicate. Talk with God. The world thinks you're nuts if you talk with God. Because you're talking to somebody that you can't see. They want you to sit in front of some person. And communicate with them. And then pay them for it. That's the world system. God's system is come whenever. You don't have to have an appointment on the calendar. And you don't have to bring a pocket full of money. But you just come with a heart that wants to know and talk with God and God will meet your need. That's the way He operates. And then God not only fellowships, not only communicates, but He reveals. As you hunger after the things of God, after you hunger after truth from His Word, He'll fill you. He'll feed you. He'll show you. I sat in the classroom for many an hour, and my head was filled with knowledge. But I found that it's much more valuable to sit at the feet of Christ and the Holy Spirit. That knowledge I did not get in the classroom. Not in man's classroom, but I, you'll get it in God's classroom. Don't miss out on that. I find it's a lot more interesting, a lot more exciting to study under the Holy Spirit than under man. Now, I still value men of God that have gone on before and that have left recorded writ behind. But it just doesn't compare to God's writ. So these are the things I'd like to leave with you today. And I trust that, that being that this is at the beginning of the new year, and a month is already gone. Eleven left. But get with God. Learn what God was showing here. He wants personal fellowship. He wants personal communication. And He'll give us His personal revelation that we may understand what He is doing in our lives. And if He doesn't tell us, that's fine too. Because it's, our lives are in good hands when your, hand, when your life is in the hands of God. And so, Father, take Your Word and just stir our hearts. 
stir us, Father, to the point of submission. That we, submitting to you is, it's not a, it may seem hard, but boy, how joyous it is. Because we know it's the right thing. And we know that, that you'll do all above and beyond whatever we can think or even ask. Because that is who you are. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And we're happy. We're thrilled to be able to call you Father. There be any here that, that has stresses and, and things on their life that, that they need prayer for. May they come. May we, we pray together. And Father, may we come into the throne room of grace to find all the grace and the mercy in the hour of need. And we pray your greatest blessings and outpouring that will just wonder the heart of thy servant and our pastor, Alan, in this hour, that your presence will overflow him in such a way that ah, he won't be able to stand it. Thank you for those that give care to his body as we thank you for giving care to his soul, to his inner being. There be any here that know not Christ the Savior. Oh, Father. Speak to their heart. Bring them forward. And Father, that we can share and deal with them so that they will be able to fellowship and communicate with you. And these things we ask in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.